Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hi, I'm KSL's Debbie Worthen. Four years ago, my son Asher was diagnosed with autism. After getting our footing, we decided it was time to celebrate the news with all of you. And that's how Celebrating the Spectrum was born. Each week, we consult with the experts and others who are learning to navigate life with a loved one who has special needs. This is a place where we find hope, look for solutions, and connect with those working to create a better world of inclusion. Welcome to today's episode of Celebrating the Spectrum. Our guest today is someone that many of you may already know. You can hear Carrie Bushman on FM 100.3 right here in Salt Lake City, Utah. But outside of her work on the radio station, Carrie is active in her advocacy work in the autism community. Not only does she have a degree in communications with a minor in autism studies, she was the Direct Care Worker of the Year in 2019, an award given by the National Association of Special Education Centers. And really, that is just the beginning. Carrie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Carrie, let's let's just dive in. First of all, tell us why you got involved with autism services, because this goes back several years, doesn't it? Yeah. So uh, many years ago, I was uh, an assistant in a special needs classroom. And like, was this in college or post-college or what was this? I was kind of in the big, long hiatus okay. <laughs> that I took. <laughs> but um, I so I worked with kids with uh, Down syndrome and traumatic brain injuries and autism. And I could connect really easily with the kids on, you know, that were not autistic, but the kids who were autistic. It just seemed I had trouble connecting with them, things that the others were interested in, they weren't interested in. And it just got me, it just, I just became so curious of like, what it is, what is it about these kids that they're more interested in other things and their classmates are interested in these things? And why is that? Yeah. Give me some examples. What were you seeing as you were in the classroom? Were, were they just doing their own thing and they didn't want to interact or what was it? Um, there was a lot of things that they just that most students understand that's completely nonverbal. You know, like mm-hmm. when your teacher hands you a worksheet, that means, oh, I need to do this worksheet. But you'd give them a worksheet and they'd just set it aside and then do what they wanted to do. You know, and I'm yeah, like, those, hmm. those social cues that we really take for granted. Right. Right. And okay. so there was a lot of that. They were motivated by different things. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't motivated by parties or candy or things like that. They were more interested in what they were interested in, whether it was trucks or, you know, trains or other things like that. They would just be almost obsessively about that thing. Right, right. No, I can relate to that because our son is all about tornadoes. But then he has these sort of like side interests too that are that are really strong as well, like SpongeBob. And they can focus you know? on it forever. Yeah, yeah, right. And so um, that motivated me to go back to school. Now that's pretty incredible. Like you were that interested that mm-hmm. you you thought, okay, I want to figure this out. Yeah, because it was very clearly um, not a disability thing. It was like these kids aren't. St- Stupid, mm-hmm. And they're not like they know what's going on. But yeah. They're just different in some way. And I, I got to figure out more about this. Yeah. And I, I like to say it's kind of a disconnect. Yeah. Because even as I watch my son interact in his language and his body language and, and the way he speaks to other people. It is a little bit different than other kids his age. And I've been I've had a hard time like pinpointing exactly what that is. So I can see how 
Right. You know, for someone like you that's very curious, you were thinking, I want to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, I need to learn more about this. And so as a communication major, that just that's by obsession is communication. Right. And because these kids struggled with communication, I just felt like I have to figure out, I, you know, I have to get to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. So I went back and finished my bachelor in communication. And I also have a minor in autism. OK, so what did you find out when you first started getting into that where you were really learning about what those differences were? Well, the nutshell version is they're just focused on a different aspect of life. So, you know, if you see two people riding bicycles in the park, um, we automatically record the social information. Um, Are they a married couple? Are they dating? Are they just friends? Mm -hmm. Are they training for something or is just a leisurely thing um and that's subconsciously we do yeah that. like we don't right, we don't right. sit and think about it right just, just glancing you can tell what kind of relationship they have mm. are they father daughter or you know um but the folks on the spectrum are going to notice the physical aspects like what type of bike they're riding um how fast the wind is going oh they're you know they're going too slow to catch the light mm-hmm. um you know things like that so they're noticed they're going to notice the physical elements and if you ask them you know, if you say, what does that mean? And you're looking for the meaning of that mm-hmm. situation. A, a person that's more neurotypical will say, oh, well, there was a couple riding a bike through leisurely through the park because mm-hmm. it's farmer's market day. And someone on the spectrum is going to say, well, they're headed towards the bike shop. But, Very literal. But they're not going to make the light. And so they're going to have to wait. Interesting. And so, you know, as an outsider, we go, what? Yeah. How could you what that doesn't hap, that doesn't matter. Right. Why would you say that? Um, but then when you look at it from their perspective of the physical world, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that makes perfect sense. That's what they're noticing instantly. And it's the social stuff that they have to think a little bit more about. Right. OK, so let's talk about that social stuff, because that from what we have learned, <laughs> hopefully this is true because our son's still very small, is that stuff can be taught. Have you found that that's true? Well, so their their brains are very systemized. You know, they, they are focused on... Um, this is why they're so great at STEM fields, mm-hmm. you know, computers and things like that, because everything to them is a system. So if this, then this. Right. And so they, the world is constructed like that to them. Um, and so social is really hard to predict. You can't predict what mm-hmm. people are going to say. There's no formula for it. And so they kind of avoid that side of things. Mm-hmm. And you can teach them some basic, you know, if this, then this stuff. Right. Um, and most of them learn social behavior as kind of rules of thumb. You know, they'll be like, you don't ask a woman if she's pregnant. You you know, and they can tell you the social rules that they know because those are hard and fast rules. Right. But the the more nuanced feeling stuff um, is often very difficult for them. They, they don't have the, the language to explain it. They don't they're not connected to their emotions enough to mm-hmm. describe what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. But it's um, interesting you say that because that doesn't mean they're not having those feelings. Right. 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 They right. have the feelings. They just either sometimes can't identify them mm-hmm. or they just don't know how to express them. Right. Like we know if I'm happy, I smile and my eyebrows go up and um, but they may not, you know, they can be totally excited about something and just have a flat affect. Right. Um, because they don't know how to express certain emotions, but it doesn't mean they don't have them. Right. Which can be off putting to their peers, which is not the intent. Right. Right. Okay. Exactly. All right. So in, in your uh, degree and your thesis, you talk about, you know, language and, and that kind of thing with autism. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, so imagine that you're standing on a corner in downtown Salt Lake City and a Japanese man comes up to you and says, excuse me, what's the name of this block? 
and you say, I'm sorry, this is Main Street and that is State Street and this is 100 and that's 200. And they say, no, 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 but what's the name of the block? And you say, well, blocks don't have names really. Streets have names. Blocks are just unnamed spaces between streets. (laughs) Right. Okay. And he's not uh, satisfied with your answer and he leaves looking a little confused and disappointed and you're like, weird. Um, Now imagine you're standing on a street somewhere in Japan and the person next to you says, excuse me, what's the name of this? I'm sorry. And you turn to somebody and say, excuse me, what's the name of this street? They say, oh, well, that's block 17 and that's block 18. And you say, yeah, but what's the name of the street? And they say streets don't have names. Blocks have names. Look here on your Google Maps. There's block one. There's block two, block Mm -hmm. three. All the blocks have names and the streets are just the unnamed space in between the blocks. And then you say, okay, well, how do you know your home address then? And they say, well, it's easy. This is District 8. There's Block 9, House Number 1. And you say, yeah, but I've been wandering around this whole neighborhood, and the doors don't go in order. And he said, well, of course they go in order. They, they go in the order which they were built. Oh, okay. Right, right. <laughs> the first house ever built on the block is Number 1. The second house is Number 2, and so on. Um I stole that example from a TED Talk that was not about autism. It was about um, learning to think differently, but I thought it was a really good analogy for what's happening with with neurotypicals and autistic people mm-hmm. is we just have different ways of looking at things, and you don't say one of us is disabled because we don't understand one another. It's right. just we grew up in different cultures. We have different beliefs about things, um, and that's kind of what uh, you're experiencing with your autistic child is they're focused on a different world. It doesn't mean they're broken. It doesn't mean that they're wrong. It just means they're looking at something different. Well, and I will tell you, Carrie, when we got our son's diagnosis, it was so good for everyone involved, us, our extended family, our neighbors, because it helped us, number one, have some compassion and mm-hmm. and, and some acceptance. Like, okay, we need to learn more about this. And especially, I would say, you know, we it, it's so hard when you have an autistic child and before you have that diagnosis. Right. Uh, sort of verbal, sort of throwing fits. Like, you just, you haven't really dealt with this before. And as a parent, you know, we had two neurotypical kids that were much older. And we couldn't even remember <laughs> how, how, how you parent, like, a little kid, you know. And, and. I just it was so confusing and frustrating. And once we got that diagnosis and we talk about this all the time, it changed nothing about Asher. Right. He was still the exact same kid. It changed all of us. It's like, oh, okay, so we need to start learning to speak his language. basically. And if you think of it as a culture, um, you wouldn't use words like low functioning or Mm -hmm. high functioning because talk a little bit about that. So, um, you know, we've we've used that term a lot, a lot, you know, because autism comes from the medical world. You know, it's been identified through the medical world. Um, They tend to use words like, you know, high functioning or low functioning. But but that language is how we experience autism, not how the autistic person experiences autism. Mm -hmm. So if you were talking to an autistic person, they wouldn't say someone is low functioning because we all function in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they would say someone has more support needs. Oh, so this okay. person needs more support. It's not about how we experience them. It's how, you know, what they need. And if mm-hmm. you can if you can have your language focus on them and their needs rather than how we, you know, experience them. Right. Then um, it's more, you know, like I said, that's that's the way we want to talk about autism because it's right. A culture. A cultural difference, not a broken versus normal. Thing. Right. No, I love that. So 
uh, we talk a lot about language and words. And one thing that I've has been so obvious to me over the past few years, more than any time in my life, has been the importance of words. You yes. know, they do matter. You know, and we talk about this all the time, like in human resources with unintentional bias and and mm-hmm. and just who we are and the way we were brought up and raised. And especially, you know, like I'm in my late 40s from my generation, we we really did not have interaction with special needs kids in school. Right. You know, we've talked about this. You and I have. It's like those special needs kids were with the gym coach. Locked away in yeah. a room. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I'm not going by that room because I don't know what's going on there. You know, so right. it's confusing and scary and all of this. And and one of the reasons my husband and I thought this podcast was so important, and I know you agree with this, is to bring it to the forefront so there is a greater understanding and acceptance for everyone. It, that will just benefits society in general. So I I will say there are times when I feel like with, I mean, with any, any situation that is specialized, let's say that as a reporter, I want to make sure I have the verbiage correct because I don't want to be offensive. Now, on the other side of that, as a mom of an autistic child, I generally just don't take offense because most people who are asking questions. It's coming from a good place. Right. You know, I'm going to be like, oh, by the way, let me (laughs) educate you on this right here, right now. But what are what are some of those terms? What is that terminology that you would like to see be embraced as a whole? So I try to avoid the word diagnosed because that's again, if you're thinking of it in terms of a culture, you don't get diagnosed American or diagnosed Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um, but from just, the medical stand, like without that quote diagnosis, you don't have access to services, right? But when you're talking about to your child or with an autistic person. Talking about their diagnosis mm. sounds it immediately changes the power dynamic, right? Because they okay. have a diagnosis and you don't, right? So if you can say maybe when was their autism identified, okay, or when did they learn they were autistic? This is so good. I'm learning this too because I mean I'm even thinking. And Ryan, our producer, he's sitting here because he's been listening to these podcasts as well. Uh, you know, we have when we're talking to people, we say when were you diagnosed? So right. you, you would say like kind of stay away from that. Now that that's something that's important in the doctor's office right (laughs) but in the real world it would be just best to say when were you identified as autistic or yeah when when were you identified as autistic um and that's a word the medical community can use to identified Mm -hmm. um because somebody identified you and said yes you are autistic um or a lot of autistic adults that didn't get the opportunities growing up are kind of self-diagnosed of like i Um, I have a really good friend that didn't know she was autistic, and then she saw a, a TV show that had an autistic character, and she's like, that guy, that's me. And when was that in um, her life? She was a teenager. She was a teenager. So she went, got through to you know her teenage years not knowing she was autistic, just feeling different from mm-hmm. everybody else. And so once she saw this show and heard the word autism, she went to her doctor and her autism was identified to her. That is so interesting. And then, we, you know, I, I keep I'm just trying to educate myself all the time because right. I'm new to this. So I see, you know, Instagram influencers that are autistic and mm-hmm. it's like, no, use I have autism. No, use I'm autistic. What what's your stand on that? So um, people with autism are so literal thinkers. Right. So if you say a person with autism, they imagine like I'm carrying around like a bag. Yeah, it's in yeah. my purse. My autism okay. is in my purse where um, people on the spectrum tend to prefer autistic because it's part of their personality and part of the, who they are, right? You wouldn't say my my friend with blackness or my friend with femaleness. Mm-hmm. You know, you would say my friend with autism right? Okay. or my autistic friend. My autistic friend. My blonde friend. Right. You know, it's, okay. it's a descriptor of who they are. It's not a, a diagnosis. And if you separate it from them, that's like identifying it as a disability or 
right something wrong with them right okay okay and that so that saying it my autistic son that mm-hmm. sort of takes out the negative connotation right okay it's just a descriptor right all so right that actually makes a lot of sense i've ran into some autistic this is people. ryan yes. yeah sorry i just <laughs> wanted to interject here i've i've actually ran into some autistic people that say i have autistic i have autism and or no, they say they say oh. i have autistic and and so and that might be them trying to in integrate the autistic instead of autism like you're saying right and so so from my experience folks on the spectrum and it feels weird to be talking for them i'll just say that but mm-hmm. um tend to prefer the term autistic because it's just a descriptor right um and so when people tell them how to identify or how to talk about themselves you know that's really awkward mm-hmm. and so if you're writing or you know doing a paper or something very official yes the um the guidelines say you should say with autism, mm-hmm. but um, that's really your experience has been with the people, you know. Yeah. Well, and you're, you know, there's two different kinds of culture surrounding autism. There's autism culture, which is moms and teachers and people that are working to support people on the spectrum. And then there's autistic culture, which is people who actually are autistic. They have their own culture, like we said, you know, mm-hmm. if, as if they were Japanese or American, autistic culture is very focused on physical aspects. They get together in groups and they talk about, you know, games they're playing or books they've read. And, you know, they're very concerned about, I would, you know, they they focus more on objects, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. rather than the social. They don't get together and dish about who's dating who. And, you know, that's that's what we do. Right, right, right. OK, no, that's good. OK, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Carrie about OtCon what it is, and why she created it. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We are talking with Carrie Bushman today, and Carrie created something called OtCon. When you told me what this was... I knew immediately, <laughs> at least, you know, with the con, like the Comic-Con, Space Con, all these things. All these cons, yeah. yeah. all the cons. Uh, tell us about it. Why did you create it? What What was your thought process here? So um, a few years ago, my, my best friend who's autistic, um, we went to school together and we were both studying autism and the school was having a, a conference and I was all jazzed and excited of like, oh, we're going to go to the conference. We're going to learn so much. And she said, mm, I'm not. I'm not interested. Were you like, what? Yeah. I was like, well, it'd be great for, you know, studying and stuff. And she said, there's nothing there for me. 
everything there is for parents or teachers or researchers. You know, there's nothing in that conference that's going to help me live my life better. All right. So let me ask you this. Did she see the value in it? Like, this is great because it's society creating some, you know, acceptance, awareness and resources. But for her personally, it's like, I'm going to get nothing from that. Right. Yeah. Like, she sees the value in it and... It, it, glad people are attending it to sure. learn more about their kids or mm-hmm. their students or whatever. But that really hit me that, yeah. that there's nothing there for me. Yeah. How surprised were you, you by that? You call it an autism conference and no one there is autistic. <laughs> it's or, ironic. Or there's a few. I mean, there are some that yeah, are autistic because right. there are autistic professionals. And, and stuff, you know, but. as we talk about that, I also want to say that, you know, it, that is also coming from a good place. Right. You know, because and, and you said, I don't want to speak for my autistic friends because that feels wrong. And I don't think that should feel wrong. I think it's like, no, we we are raising awareness, acceptance, and I'm not autistic, but my son is, so it's that important to me. You know, Great. so so yeah. those, those people that are, and, and you know, you say speaking on behalf, and when you're saying, like, don't tell me how to identify myself, I can totally see that. It's like, right. you know, when the autistic community is saying, don't tell me to say it this way or this, everyone would feel that same way. Right. But to raise the awareness, to have these programs, that I feel like is a step in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. I, like I said, I was thrilled to learn things, but she was just kind of like, nah, this uh, is not for yeah, me. Meh. Yeah. And so we always kind of had this dream that we would create a conference for her, you know. And what did you picture that looking like? Um, or what did she, what did she say she would find to be interesting enough to attend? Well, you know, when you when you grow up as somebody on the spectrum, you tend to feel very isolated and feel like you're the exception to every rule. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to create an atmosphere where you're the norm and mm-hmm. what you do is okay, you know. So if it if it's more comfortable for you to come in cosplay or dressed as a furry, you know, like do it. Come on, we're celebrating autistic culture and we have lots of um, autistic speakers that come and talk about success strategies mm-hmm. and things that, you know, here's how I made this work. In in life. In life, yeah. So we have um, sessions on employment and healthy sexuality and... Um, yeah, oh, wow. We haven't even gotten to that <laughs> that's in a our whole house. can of worms, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's good that, that my son is just little and I can work up to that. Right. And, <laughs> and, and OtCon is for adults. Oh, right, exactly. Yes. Right, right. So, um, but it's just a fun atmosphere because you get a whole conference full of people on the spectrum and you'd be surprised at how social they are. Right. Because they're not the exception. They're they're the rule and they are on the same wavelength and they get to meet people. They exchange numbers. They, uh, you know, we've developed a whole uh, social group that's come out of that where we do regular activities mm-hmm. where people can come oh, that's and be social with right. other autistic people. Yeah, right. it's just been a, a dream come true to, you know, we have panels that discuss things like marriage on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I know, again, that's far away for, for you, but <laughs> marriage. But, but, but I hope it's a reality. Right. And you it know? requires a lot of communication mm-hmm. and a lot of hard work. And that's not their strong point. Diagnostically. So mostly it's designed for people on the spectrum, but we do have, you know, parents or friends that want to come and learn more Mm -hmm. and great, you know, we open arms to them. Right. But um, it's just it's just a unique, like I said, it's a cultural celebration. That's something that's been missing for a long time from the autism community is that element of elevating their voices, um, celebrating their culture you know we have the greek festival and things like that otcon is a celebration of autistic culture i just keep thinking i've been reading this incredible book and i'm going to try to get the author on our on our show and um it talks about this woman who you know she's probably in her 40s or 50s she met this other autistic woman and they would kind of cross paths every now and again 
and they weren't necessarily friends. It was like they kind of see each other on the subway type of thing. <clears throat> she said that there were times she would look over and the other woman would just like flap at her, which is part of stimming, which is a whole part of autism. Right. And she said it was so calming to her to see that. And they just flap at each other and then go on their merry way. I say that because flapping is part of stimming, which is um, a kind of a coping mechanism for those on the spectrum. And all of us do it, too, in our certain ways, like bite right. your nails, pick at your nails, like play I'm with a, your hair. I'm a tapper. Are you a tapper? I tapper. Yeah, it's all of that. And my son twists these tornadoes nonstop. You know, with Kleenexes, with napkins, with an actual tornado that he's built out of paper. Nice. But that's one of those where I think it's something like OtCon. Those can be the things. Oh, so when my son was first doing that, my husband was always saying, hey, stop flapping, stop flapping. You know, because we just were so clueless. Where now you just realize you embrace those things. Why wouldn't you? So OtCon took place when? So, and, and how big was it? And what's the plan for the future with that? So um, this year, we started about five years ago, and we've just gotten progressively bigger each time. And it always um, surprises people when we say we have a conference for autistic people because it's a conference for people who don't like people, which, <laughs> which is not true. But um, it's on our... That the, is so funny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, people are very surprised. And um, But it's been growing exponentially every year. Um, I think this year we had 220 attendees. That's great. Which is, yeah, that's and, and a lot. And where was it held? So um, Scenic View Academy in Provo, it's a school for young adults with autism mm-hmm. um, designed for autism. So there's lots of natural light and um, our sessions are very spread out and they're small. So when you go to a session, there's like eight people in the room with you, mm-hmm. you know, so you, it's not manageable. Over- yeah, not mm-hmm. overwhelming. Um, there's no crowded hallways to navigate through because everything's very spread out. Um, we do a lot of social uh, accommodations for them. Um, for example, they get a badge when they come to OtCon, and then we give them three different name tags that they can put in the bag. Um, one is green. That means, hey, come talk to me. I'm here to make friends. Mm. And there's another one that's red that's uh, like, uh, you know what? I just, I'm want, a little overwhelmed right now. This. Do you yeah. want this in general? I do. To just wear every day? I do. Um, yeah. It's, I, I, I just want to observe right now. Right. I don't want any contact. Please mm-hmm. don't talk to me. And they respect those rules for each other because they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and what just what a great, a great idea to just make it so obvious. Right. There's no guesswork. Yeah. The other thing that we do is we have a series of stickers that they can add to their name tag that represent different interests. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like red is reading and blue is computers. And so they can tell visually by looking at other people who has the same interests as them. So it's much easier to start a conversation by, oh, do you have you read this series? Mm-hmm. Do you like that? Um, then so. Uh, and, if you, they, and if they do, do you like, like stuff? It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> OK. And so what has the response been? And, and your best friend, did she attend? Uh, yeah, she she plans it. She and um, another professor of mine that are on, is on the spectrum. They um, it was a big learning experience for me because you know I'm an extrovert and I'm like we're going to have a dance and we're going to have a party oh, and yeah. we're going to do this. It's going to be great. And they were like, no, no, yeah, no, no, and no, no. We no. know that you love karaoke. <laughs> I love karaoke. Yeah. Yes, and um, they you know were like, no, 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 no. That is not what we want. Mm-hmm. And so it was a learning experience for me as an extrovert to be like, okay, so we're going to have some gaming stations where you guys can play Smash Brothers, and then we're going to have Magic the Gathering going on over here, and we're mm-hmm. going to have Dungeons Dragons over here, and we have lightsaber fights, and we have um, es- escape rooms and things that are fun but don't involve a lot of people that maybe, you know, smaller groups of people. Yeah, not overwhelming. And that um, really – that really helps them to connect with others mm-hmm. and to socialize with others in a way that's not too threatening, you know, because 
they're not comfortable enough walking into a room and work in the room like, you know, others would. But, you know, I would say that most neurotypical people aren't that comfortable with that either. <laughs> you know, I mean, my husband goes to conferences for his job and he loves them. And he just got home from Vegas. and He was just like, I mean, he was on a high. And in my mind, I'm like, that sounds like a nightmare. You know, like trying to network and be that friendly and on to everyone yeah. I meet. That sounds very intimidating. That's why um, I do most of the um, promotion of the event because I'm the outgoing one. Right. And um, my f- friends, the, my autistic friends are more of the here's what we need to talk about. Here's what kind of activities we should do. You know, they they kind of guide me through that autistic experience of what would work and what wouldn't. Have you thought about doing more than one a year? Or, or growing the program to other communities, We're, you know? Yeah, we actually have. Um, it's kind of hard for people in Salt Lake to recognize that there's um, a lot going on in Utah County. Because mm-hmm. when people hear, oh, Provo, they think it's so far away. Well, that point of the mountain just seems like a right. barrier. It's a big barrier. And, <laughs> and so, it's not, you know? And we've actually had folks come to OtCon from Colorado, Nevada, Idaho, um, they hear about it and that they want to be there because that's their their people. Mm-hmm. And what, yeah. What has the response been? It's okay. been wonderful. Like I said, we um, get a lot of positive feedback. We have a lot of friendships made. We have folks that, you know, we give them a T-shirt every year and we have folks that have collected all the T-shirts and like to show off that they have the first. Well, that's cool. First one, you yeah. know. Yeah. Because I've been here since the beginning mm-hmm. and, um, you know, it's their it's their thing. It's their place, their safe place where they can be exactly who they are. And right. it's celebrated. And how do people find out more about that? So um, you can go to svacademy.org, okay. which is Scenic View Academy, Academy. Uh-huh. org slash OTCON. Mm-hmm. And we have all of our presenters there with bios. We have, um, I mean, it, it's in May, so it's passed for this yeah, year. But, but it does seem like this really is in its infancy. Mm-hmm. This could be huge. And and probably deserves that. I mean, do you agree? <laughs> I agree. I just, you know, my mind goes expense, expense, expense. Right, you know, but, right. but we definitely have that goal of um, growing slowly mm-hmm. and steadily because that's what it's been doing. And and when you talk about it, that expense, because that's so real. I mean, right. everything with autism is expensive. At least exactly. that's how it feels to me as a parent. But that is something where it's like, could we get some groups to sponsor that? Could we get some groups to pay for that and recognize the importance of something like this in a community? Yeah, that would be wonderful. You we, know, we do have a lot of great support from like the Autism Council of Utah. Right. And but, the, le- but let's go wider. You know, let's go wider for for companies or families that have the resources who say like, yes, there is this huge need. This is going to be part of us every year. You know, I mean, that would wonderful. just be so cool. And, oh, I, and yeah. I, I think that really, Carrie, when... I mean, you're a grassroots effort for this and like great job because to take something on like this is huge. It's yeah. a lot of work. It is a lot you of know, work. And, and advocacy work, you know, I didn't really care to be an advocate for <laughs> autism, but it's where we are. Right. You know, and, and you saw the value, you're passionate about it. And that really is contagious, that, that passion, that charisma, that enthusiasm for something that you know benefits all of us. Yes. Right. Okay. So we're, we're almost out of time. What do you think that just the general public needs to know and and maybe some programs that you would like to see come to fruition in the next several years? I would love to see grandparent training. Oh, that um, would be amazing. Because grandparents are a big part of the lives of they these are. kids. And, you know, and my grandparents who have now passed away, they were huge. They, I mean, they, they are part of my identity as being their granddaughter. They were so amazing, so loving, almost like a se- second set of parents. And really, I think that's what... 
all of us want for our kids with that grandparent relationship. We have professionals in the school district and in the community who I know would love to do that training. And I think that those grandparents would be very interested as well. Yeah. It goes back to that um, systemic thinking that I was telling you about, you know, the if this, then this. Mm-hmm. They're operating on, on a pattern of something that's, you know, whether it's playing with their tornado or mm-hmm. whatever, they're, they're running a, a pattern and we interrupt their pattern. You know, mo- grandparents or parents come and say, oh, hey, it's time to clean your room or mm-hmm. you got to do this. And that all of a sudden that just ch- changes the whole thing. You know, the whole equation has been thrown off and I've got to figure out what's going on. And so um, if we can be a little more patient with transitions or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe help guide them through transitions. Hey, in five minutes, we're going to have to go clean your room. Right. Hey, in three minutes, you know. So that it's not a total surprise. Yeah, we were at the pool last year and I was giving these cues. (laughs) You know, hey, in five minutes we have to get out and dry off and get ready to go. Okay, four minutes. And I saw these other parents looking at me like, crazy lady. Like, (laughs) umbrella mom, (laughs) you know. And uh, But the bottom line is, like, Asher and his little sister, they did. They It worked. Because they had some notice and Mm -hmm. it wasn't just a sudden disruption to the pattern. It right. was, this is coming, this is coming. Okay, now we can adapt it into the pattern because we knew it was coming. And I've thought so many times, I'm not that different. I like notice. Mm-hmm. I like knowing what the day's going to hold. I mean, Ryan, right? you probably, Ryan's somewhat of an introvert too. Yeah. And, and so as I we, also play Magic the Gathering. So this, yes, this conference yes. seems like you a very come. interesting thing for me to do. You can totally come. And, and as we've been talking on this podcast, I think Ryan has recognized that, you know, we're not all that different. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, as you're talking about these things, I have to do the same thing with my kids. Give the If I don't say we're turning off the internet in five minutes, mm-hmm. oh, there's fits. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and right. So, and some of those are just heightened a little bit with autistic kids. At least that's been my experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you would love to see the grandparent training. Right. Um, and I would just love parents to think think about that pattern system and what, what pattern is your child following? Um, and just because change is hard. I mean, any parent who has an autistic child knows that change is very hard for them. It's because now they don't know what to do because they had this pattern they were following mm-hmm. and you've just disrupted it. And now I don't know what to do. Right. Until I can incorporate the new data into my system. Right. So the more notice you can give, the more you can point out things in their environment that may happen um the better off, you know, that they're going to be because they're not getting surprised by things all right, the time. Right. No, I love that. Okay. Uh, Carrie, any final thoughts? So many. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's great is Carrie has just this wealth of information and knowledge and resources. So we're going to have you join us quite a bit. I would love to. Yeah. It's it's so fun to get your perspective and your insight and and just the research that you've done is so valuable. And I think, you know, for me as a parent, I mainly want to demystify the whole thing. So when we go somewhere, you know, I've struggled with when we're out in public, if my son is having an episode saying, oh, he's autistic, you know, because like, I really don't owe people an explanation. No. But there's also part of me that wants them to know, (laughs) because I want them to recognize that we're okay with this. And this is, you know, due to autism. And so they have a a better understanding, you know, but I'd love to talk to to you about those things in future episodes. Absolutely. All right. So I've learned a lot today on the show. And I think Ryan has too. So, you know, we've learned how important words are. We've learned autistic is the the preference. Yes. Autistic, not has autism. Diagnosed with. We say... 
We say identified, identified, yeah. identified not diagnosed. No, this is this is great. I'm going to change some stuff, by the way, <laughs> on, on uh, our episode description. All right, Carrie, thank you so much you for bet. joining us today. And Celebrating the Spectrum is a KSL podcast.